0: Hello and welcome to Drop and Get the Movies I'm Mike I'm Jose And uh, we've been watching a film on Mubi again Yes uh, Which Jose is obsessed with The uh, streaming service that uh, curates uh, the films it puts out
1: I'm finding it the best place to see international art house cinema in classic films And they're beautifully curated.
0: Yeah, so as we've talked about before, they put out... They're showing, at any one time, 30 films. Mm -hmm. Each one has 30 days, and then it goes off. So there's one added and one removed each day. Mm -hmm. Um, And the film we decided to watch today was In the Intense Now, uh, or in the original uh, Portuguese, I think. uh, No Intenso Agora, which is a film Mm -hmm. from last year. And it's a documentary... um, uh, it's an essay so, film. Yeah, that's more. Yeah, that, that's more accurate. It's an essay film. It's it's based entirely on uh, archival and found footage at of home movies and home movies of uh, uh, Brazil, China, Czechoslovakia, and France in the late sixties, around the era of a kind of revolution. Yeah,
1: it's all about basically nineteen sixty
0: eight. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much directly. Uh, although uh, the, the Chinese footage is of the director's mother, and that was of a trip she took in 1966, which is when the Cultural Revolution began. Yes. Um, uh, so the director is uh, João Maria Salles, a Brazilian. Mm. Uh, I don't know any of his uh, other work. Neither uh, do I. I'm not familiar with him I at all. I know Walter
1: Salles, but not to draw <laughs> me down, I don't know who he is. And we haven't <laughs> do, you know if, do you know
0: if they're even related?
1: Or? No, I don't know if they're related. <laughs> and I, actually, I'm just, at the moment, I'm not interested because yeah. we've just seen the film. So, as is usual with us, we just want to respond to what we've seen.
0: Well, had you seen it already? No. Oh, oh, you were telling me to watch it, no. but I thought that was because you had seen it. No,
1: no. I mean, uh, basically, what happened is, and, and this is where I say that these films and movies are so beautifully curated because I saw Pierre Goupy's film, which is called Mourir à Quentin. Half-Life, and it's all an autobiographical film about his experiences in, you know, the student protest movement as a high schooler, and then uh, uh, leading up to 68. And actually it's very interesting because that film, which was made I think in 82, you know, but it it was made about the events from 64 leading up to 68 and slightly beyond. Uh, and it's kind of like a memoir of May 68, of being a student activist, and of a fr- of his friendship with uh, a guy called Pierre Catini, I think. Um, and, you know, what happens is that, that the beginning of that film, which begins, it begins very beautifully, it begins with something like saying, you know, Veronique, she was tall, brunette, wonderful, she was the trainer of these activists, and... And then it says, you know, she committed suicide, blah. And then it goes on to another person committed suicide, blah. Then another person committed suicide, blah. And then, you know, that film is structured around what happened to my best friend who also committed suicide. So, you know, the idea that these young people, you know, who were already nostalgic for their youth when they were barely out of their youth because it had been so intense... Right, that it frames this movie in the intense now, mm. and is actually kind of sided within it. I just thought it's one of those things that makes it so interesting to watch a movie because it's curated. So there's a relationship between one film and another. Yeah,
0: so the, they're both on it. That that film Maria Maria Trenton Tonton yes. uh, is uh, it's called Half a Life in English, but actually in, in when it's referenced in in the intense now. Uh, the subtitles uh, call it To Die at 30 yeah. uh, which is a more direct translation yeah. um, that was actually when the film I thought was its uh, most self-indulgent oh, I love. to me because uh, that was when I, I sort of I, I, I understood that they wanted to make the reference but then it just showed a whole section of this other film and I thought you can't do that like, you can't just show a whole a whole intro but to it's someone so else's film
1: beautiful.
0: yeah but it's someone else's work
1: but you're citing it and you're acknowledging it and you're saying when it was made and in what context and how it was used. It yeah, was but then, then you showed just buys. a
0: whole section of it. And it was also, it's Come also on, got it was to just the point. Two or three minutes. It was a big section, though. It was like it, 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 the point had been made. And, and again, it was rather like when, uh, towards the end of the film just now, uh, when uh, you return to China and you're seeing the mother's home footage again, and the the director narrates, we should say. Um, he narrates, I think, it, it, well, in Portuguese. Yes. Uh, but it's, it's translated in, in English in the subtitles. And he's narrating over his, uh, his his mother's home footage of her visit to China, as he does throughout the film. Um, but it, it, towards the end, it it starts to feel very self indulgent to me, where it's sort of it's like watching it's like watching someone's home movie, and you go like I've got I, I, I don't you know if someone get comes back, back from holiday and they get all these photos, and you go I didn't really want to see these, but I have to sit here and be polite while you're showing them to me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see that at all. I mean, I thought it was very interesting because it's tying in all these, all these political movements and it's very deconstructive. So
0: I'm I, only talking right at the very end. No, no, I know. Yeah. But,
1: but the significance of the end is you know, that here are these mass political movements. You know, and on the one hand, his mother, who is clearly a very well-to-do you know, Brazilian, who actually lives in France and has enough money... You know, to travel on what looked like very posh tours of China at the height of the Cultural Revolution, mm. and Japan, you know, and dressed very chicly, and so on, so you know. But nonetheless, that the feeling, the sense of premature nostalgia of living intensely, only when experiencing that which is most unexpected and foreign, is something that I think there's a link made throughout all of it.
0: Yeah, I think that's true, and I think there are there. I mean. I, I'm certainly critical of the end of the film because I felt it went on for far too long. Yes. It, had, it felt like it had a lot of endings. Mm. Remember like how Lord of the Rings ended? <laughs> and you sort <just> of <laughs> went over and over again like they keep on saying goodbye. <laughs> like every time it kind of cut to black in the last half hour of this film, I was like, okay, this is the end now. Oh, no, it wasn't. Um, but, but, but in the hour and a half preceding that, I thought there was some fantastic stuff and some really interesting... It, it's it's, it's um, something that I don't like about documentaries in film... Is that I think they sometimes uh, ignore what film is really good at. Because what film is really good at is not making an argument. That's what the written word is really good at. What film is good at is is evoking a feeling.
1: Mm. Um,
0: and that's what this documentary does. It's Very not. It, it's not about. It, it is to an extent about. Uh, saying you know here were the reasons behind uh these these protests and and, and revolutions and uprisings and and uh, you know g- going into sort of the 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 meaning and the logic of it or whatever it is to an extent about that but what it's really about is creating this feeling of you know when people say you had to be there
1: mm.
0: you know you weren't there man that's what people say about the you know kind of uh sort of the the the, the swinging 60s or whatever is in in the US that's kind of what this film feels like. Like, you had to... This is what this absolutely... The, the title is really appropriate in the intense now. It is... It's a really brief period of time. I mean, the May, May 68 in in Paris was a month. It was a month-long revolution and just this in, incredibly intense feeling and it puts you right in there and makes you feel like how these people felt.
1: It does that, but I would say... So, so I agree with you, but I think it goes further than that because one of the things that I find so beautiful and intelligent and about this film is that it actually does textual analysis of the images themselves so that, you know, you see something, you experience it, and then he points out something that you might not have noticed. And that starts from the very beginning, he says, this looks like a home movie of a family showing off their child, you know, but look at the nanny. Right, and you know, look at the nanny sneaking off the picture because she doesn't belong here. And actually, in this move away from the picture, you have all these social, mm. class, and racial relations in Brazilian culture. And you go, Wow, right? Yeah, it,
0: it, it, it's in doing that, he teaches you to interpret images mm. as you're looking at them. Mm. So, you know, kind of you could watch them very blankly and just say, This is a home movie of a kid and a nanny in Brazil in the mm. 1960s. But in doing, but in actually analyzing it, he teaches you to he teaches you to watch movies yes. in a way. And it's fantastic, and he does a lot. Talk. The film is um, is very much about sort of why people capture images and the way they're captured. So uh, he, he talks about um, the student uh, sort of spokesperson who became kind of a star in yeah, France, Combedieu, um, uh, and they're on a kind of news night type program. Uh, th- you know, kind of three sort of student revolutionaries and three uh, sort of figures of the establishment, mm-hmm. and they're talking to each other. And Cohen Bendy steals the scene, and he monologues, and he speaks very eloquently. I, mean, I-, I wanted to watch it just like without narration yeah. over. You know, I wanted just to, to, to watch the whole thing. Um, he speaks incredibly eloquently uh, and with with kind of great precision and intelligence about you know why people are rising up and what they want and what they're dissatisfied with, and. Then in the narration, Salles says, like, the camera noticed him. You know, the camera helped, helped him to become a star in a way. And there's a kind of theatricality to it. I think actually Cohn Bendy as well, in, uh, in talking about it uh, uh, in hindsight, uh, says, uh, I, I think he said, like, I'm the- I was theatre trained, mm-hmm. and I used that theatricality to to behave the way I did on the stage. There's a kind of theatricality in the way that the Paris movement... Uh, operates and which is different to what you see of China and Czechoslovakia, mm. I think. Um, but it, but again, it, it's it's related to the way that the camera catches images and how. So, for instance, when you when you're looking at Czechoslovakia, and you're looking at the uh, Soviet army entering the city to to quash the uh, Prague Spring, mm. um, the the footage is, is home video taken from sort of inside a, a, an upper story flat. And looking down down on the street, seeing the tank rolling down the streets, and it's shaky and it's hidden, and he's hiding behind the curtain, and, and Salas is pointing all of this out to you, mm. and he says, you know, this isn't the kind of footage that you saw in May sixty eight in France. Mm. So so in that he's sort of he, he's taking the, the 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 context of the footage and the way it's been shot and saying, like, this in itself is a commentary on the difference between what was happening in Czechoslovakia and what's happening in Paris. Mm. You know, there's a severity to what's happening in Czechoslovakia which makes the French uh, uh, uprisings sort of seem me- uh, less serious in a way, or more frivolous, or less, or there was less at stake. <laughs> perhaps. Right. There was. It feels like there was a little less at stake. Like lives weren't on the line. Well,
1: weren't. it's not so much that there was a little less at stake, but actually that it was done with more freedom and less fear. Yeah. So, right, you
0: know, but there were never tanks rolling down the street at any point in Paris, and the, well, that's that's
1: why the camera could be out there, right, exactly, you know, yeah. and so on. But I think that, you know the accent. I mean, you know, the image which he points out is so evocative. I mean, you know, hidden in the house behind the curtain, you know, with you know, so it has a lace curtain, and also it has a heavy curtain that's occupying. Uh, it's peeking out onto mm-hmm. the street. It doesn't dare be outside, right? I thought. I thought those those readings. There's no other way of putting it, because you know there is a first-person voiceover narration throughout that is showing you something, you know, but then also kind of uh, pointing out things to you of of not only what what the image is and what the people are saying and so on, but things that you might have not have noticed. So for example, you know how black people in are barely present in the images of May 68, hmm. and how when they are present. They're hidden in a corner and they're often wearing a suit, you know, and the significance of that. And actually And they're silent always. And they're silent always. And there were three things that really caught my eye. So one is the footage with the philosopher Jean-Paul Sartre, which is just, you know, his hand on his ear saying, I am now listening, right? Which Mm. is kind of you know an iconic image. So he talks about like the power of that image in terms of its symbolism. The other is that at the end of the events in May 68, when de Gaulle does uh, uh, one of his broadcasts, he decides to do it on radio only because he doesn't want to show the figure of an old man. He wants to show the figure of resistance that spoke to France from London you know, during World yeah, of, of power and unification. Yeah, with his
0: voice, he could promote, because he, That's he right. could convey power in a way that when you saw the image of a 70 or 80 year old man on TV, it wouldn't have done that. That's right.
1: So, so you know, the images, so the power, the, he, asks, he tells her how to read images, you know, the significance of sounds. And then, you know, at the very end of the film, you know, he talks about the slogans, because one of the things that characterized May 68. Was all of these like slogans of freedom? Some of them very surrealistic. You know, it wasn't just about you know getting better wages and and working conditions, but you know about a new life, a new way of living, kind of you know new. And he said, and then he reveals how you know the most famous slogan of them all, all, which is uh, "sous le pavé la plage," you know, under uh, uh, the paving stones, the beach, Mm. was actually something that had been very hard worked uh, on. Uh, by ad people yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah so so actually kind of you know those moments of analysis combined you know with what is clearly an appreciation uh, and also an analysis of the differences among these three events and then tying it in together in a very personal way in relation to his mother's encounter with China which is also very beautifully shot because you know his, his mother is enthralled with the otherness, with the strangeness. She's got this whole interpretive framework. But actually, there's all of these Chinese letterings, right? All these uh, signs, which actually the son is now in a position to get translated, right? Mm. And, you know, uh, they they so they have all these slogans of the Cultural Revolution, but also they have these things like, you know, American dog uh, will, you know... Run feeding. in fear or something yeah. like that. Right, so so it's all kind of like this quite nasty, crude, anti-American, anti-Soviet, pro-Vietnam, you know, and you know all the worst excesses of the Cultural Revolution are right in front of his mother's face, but she doesn't have the means to understand them. Well, that's
0: that's an interesting point because actually that's true to an extent.
1: You're absolutely
0: right about that. But then on the other hand, the worst excesses really are not in front of her face. Like that, it was a it was a bloody you know, sort of vicious time in China and of course shown to the to VIP tourists coming yeah. from the West that wasn't shown at all. But she would have
1: and, known how to read the signs has she, has she, been, she would have known what the slogans meant had she been had able she, to read the signs That's true, yeah.
0: but nonetheless like it's, I think it's kind of um, it's quite striking that of the three uh, major countries shown in the film, Czechoslovakia, France and China uh, China is essentially absent of you know, kind of, kind of bloodshed or revolution at all? Right, exactly. Um, so, so it's a, it's a, it's a kind of the Chinese kind of third of the film, if you like. The kind of that section, that, that part is is really about his his mother um, and her, as you said, kind of the framework that she puts onto what she's what she's seeing. So she talks about the way that Chinese people look. Yes. About their complexion, yes. about how it makes the was it the famous English complexion a joke? Yes. Something like this, and how she she likes the slenderness of their fingers mm. and the way that they stand like uh, porcelain dolls. Yes. And she doesn't like their voices. She she thinks they they remind her of cats meowing. Like this is the way that she kind of it's it's um and there's nothing there's nothing political to anything that she she sees really. Mm. She doesn't interpret it in that way. And you know and I think. Part of, that, as you say, is that she doesn't understand sort of uh, the, the Chinese that might clue her in, but um, it's being hidden from her as well. You know, I think, I think, I think he. Estab- I think the director, the narrator, establishes early on that she was given the VIP treatment yes. as a, as a Western tourist. Like they want right. to show the sort of the 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 best side. They want to advertise to the West, as it were, yes. when they visit. Yes.
1: Um, I want, to, I want to focus on the deaths that were shown. So, you know, basically, um, so we're shown these moments of social tension, uh, these iconic moments of, um, of revolutionary intent in, uh, uh, a, a, and the quashing down of that. Uh, uh, in uh, Paris, in Prague, and then with moments in China and with moments in Brazil. And was shown kind of three three famous martyrs, really. So I think it was it was um, it was Jean Palak in um uh, uh, uh Czechoslovakia. Jan Palac. Jan Palac in Czechoslovakia, uh, and then, then there was uh, Gilles Toton in France. And Ed's, uh, Luis Edson in Brazil, who, you know, was killed. And there were mass protests around the death of all of these young people. And then the film contrasts, you know, how the death of Jan Palak was received.
0: Yeah, protest wouldn't be the right word for that. That was that was an out, outpouring of public
1: grief. Of public grief, okay. Well, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. okay. So, so, so the public manifestation yeah. of the death of each of these young men in each of these three countries, and how they were were treated. So for example, he contrasts Jan Palak and the outpouring of mourning, right? A public mourning with the kind of indignation of the Louis Etzel young man uh, in Brazil In which there was only one person that looked like they were crying it was more a kind of indignation and anger and actually Mm. you see his coffin being taken down the streets and actually you know if you had any sense if you were a a kind of if you had any faith at all you'd be outraged by the way that this coffin was being treated or the disrespect of the dead in the coffin right um and also uh uh the contrast in france where you know, there was there was a, a, a march or a manifestation uh, around the death, but actually that there was no grief, right? Mm-hmm. So kind of the readings of each of these three things and their symbolic value, yeah, in each moment, I thought was very very fascinating.
0: Remind me of the circumstances of the deaths. I remember the Jan Palak one was he burned that, himself he he self-immolated he self-immolated uh, poured uh, gasoline over himself and set himself alight he was 20 years old he was a student Yes. and that that one really struck me um that was uh because this was when the the Prague spring had been you know sort of quashed yes uh and and people were kind of settling into the new routine of what life was yes uh and 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 this is something the director spells out, you know, um, what his suicide did was kind of crystallise the feeling of feeling of kind of everything everything has gone wrong, you know, the kind of the sense of possibility that that we that we had is completely dead, and everyone is returning to to treat this as normal life. Right.
1: So the argument in the film is that this morning. Is in itself an acquiescence to a re-establishment of power. Yeah, uh, which I thought was a beautiful reading, and it shows it to you actually. Yeah, it is, and oh. and it's
0: and like I said, that's that stuck with me. Yeah. That's quite haunting because like, to sort of for someone to kill themselves in a, in such a, a violent and public way, um, you kind of you want that to be, I suppose, sort of. You want that to be a a catalyst for change, Mm. as opposed to the very opposite, which is which is a a sort of a symbol of an acceptance that things will not change, Mm. and there is nothing left to do but kill yourself. Like Mm. that's awful.
1: Mm. Yes. Um, Anyway, I love this film very much, Uh, and actually, it's full of beautiful, poetic moments. Really, where I think the the personal footage comes in as well. So. You know, one thing is May 68th. You know, but what comes after May? Well, the summer vacation. And all of a sudden, it's all over, right? you yes. know, And you have footage, uh, wonderful uh, home movies with, you know, what looks like that lovely technicolor of the day, you know, where the reds really kind of are very intense and stand out from the rest of the image. And these lovely images of the family at the beach, you know, and kind of... And, and really, all of the black and white anger overturned cars young people throwing mm. things is now just back to the routine of the family at the beach
0: yeah there are contradictions in the film because people uh, the, the director does bring up quotes from people talking about the May 68 uh, revolution as having changed things permanently mm. but it's not something you really feel or see like the, no. the feeling you get from the film is of a kind of where did it all go wrong, man?
1: No, no. I think I didn't read it that way. So I read that May 68 was not just about better working conditions or whatever, but it was almost like an, an, an imagining of a new way of life, new social relations, new. Yeah.
0: But this is exactly it. Yeah. So, come, on, come. On.
1: So, you know, the, the conversation with uh, the, the young worker, the mm. woman, so dissatisfied about having to return to work to the van der uh, uh, factory is all about that, yeah. right? You know, so, so, so actually... Uh, um, so, so things changed. There were better working conditions and so on, but this idea of a limitless possibility, yeah, it was not... Uh, 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 the film says that it wasn't there, and actually it contrasts the student movement in... France and in the U.S. and saying the U.S. one was radical. You had black people speaking, you had women speaking. In, in France, it was very masculinist. There was always men talking, you know. And actually, as soon as that moment was passed, you know, though, there, you know s- though particular conditions might have improved, that sense of a possibility that all kinds of new social relations were possible disappeared with it. Mm. And that's why, kind of, you know, some of the protagonists of these movements... Had a nostalgia before its time. That they were already young people, too early, feeling nostalgic for their youth because there had been such an intense moment of living in the now.
0: Yeah. Well, and and in that clip from Maria um, Tonton, mm. um, it shows these these young people in their early twenties or maybe just twenty writing like their 40. memoirs almost. Yeah. You know. And actually bizarre. Eighteen, 18 not yet. Right yeah. Um, they were high school students, but um, but yeah, this is that, that's kind of what I'm saying. I think I think one of the things the film made me think about made me think about kind of modern equivalents, so the, the, uh, particularly um, Occupy Wall Street and also um, the uh, the sort of very recent and modern uh, gun control movement uh, in the United States following the Parkland shootings. Yes. Um,
1: and the Black Lives Matter. And, and Black Lives
0: Matter. You know. Um, But what it made me think about specifically, so thinking about Occupy Wall Street, one of the problems that Occupy Wall Street always had, it seemed to me, was that it was completely rudderless. It was a kind of, it was a a sort of vast but completely direction-free sort of uh, anti, generally sort of anti-capitalist movement that... People had completely different ideas within it of what they wanted to see. Some people wanted the complete collapse of Western civilization, and some people wanted reasonable sort, you know, sort of regulations put on banking and so on and so forth. And and it essentially achieved nothing, other than noise because of that. I think. And and that to me really felt similar to what the film shows of May '68, which is that people don't. There's no kind of single idea. Some people do have. Uh, for some people, it is about wages and working conditions, and for others, it it is really about the possibility of a brand new way of living and and an imagine was it, was it that um, uh, Cohn, what's his name Konbendi. Konbendi, uh says about uh, we wanted yeah. to to have a glimpse of a possibility of a non capitalist world essentially mm. is what he's saying uh, and 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 in that quote it's bizarre he sort of says like we knew it wouldn't work but we wanted to show just the glimpse that it could be possible.
1: Mm.
0: The point being that everyone, <laughs> lots of people had lots of different ideas about what it could be, and that it kind of came up and then died so quickly.
1: Yes. You see, I mean, one of the things that the film is wonderful at is that you see it. So, you know, you see the head waiter saying oh, you students, blah, blah, you know, I joined the Communist Party, and your ideas that I could go to school at night after you worked a Yeah, so they're, mm. they're showing all of these, and the fights in front of the Wonder Factory between the actual workers, you know, who have succeeded in obtaining better working conditions, and the university student who says, well, the, you know, those are not, that doesn't matter, hmm. right? Yeah. Okay. yeah. And uh, I, mean, I thought, all oh, that was fascinating. And
0: again, and what, the, what the film points out there is it's that the camera frames out that student. Yeah, He's no longer relevant to the conversation. That's right. The, the students aren't being listened to anymore, so the camera literally doesn't look at him.
1: And actually, I found that fascinating because in Mourir à there's this expression that kind of basically all of the student movement died when there was a turn to the proletariat. I, you know, when union leaders and and workers and, you know, the striving for better working conditions mm-hmm. kind of superseded yeah you know, the student agenda. And you think, well, if, you know, if the revolution isn't for the workers, what, what is it for? <laughs> <laughs> right, like, so it's turn to the proletariat, which is seen as like, you know, the nadir or the end point. It really is just the end point of these bourgeois students' involvement and being at the center, you know, of, of power really, or, or, or a voice, mm. right? So, so I think the film is very interesting, and in a way kind of, you know, that would be my critique of it as well, right? Because, you know, what one gets throughout the film is this sense of bourgeois entitlement to represent, depict, control, symbolize uh, uh, moments in history. Right, you know, so kind of.
0: All well, there's, yeah, there's c- commerce and, and capitalism inserts itself yes. in there. So, p- thinking particularly of Cohn Bendy uh, yes. going to About Berlin. Much. Yeah. Uh, and, and his trip is paid for by a magazine because he can't afford it otherwise. Yeah. And so the photographer is there for four days and then taking loads of photos of him, and it becomes this kind of center spread in a yes. magazine. And the caption is. Uh, he goes off to spread his anarchy to Berlin. Yeah. It's like, and and the voiceover says, "No one has ever, no anarchist has ever spread anarchy by being funded by a magazine for the yes. middle class." <laughs> exactly. You know. So sad. I thought
1: well, that was wonderful. You
0: know, I thought that was wonderful. Um, and um, I, I think I, that that to me uh, that goes along with the with the advertising thing as well. The thing, that the advertising slogan, uh, as you said earlier, that kind of that really spoke to me because that 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 kind of said like this. It's it's sort of the ultimate loss, really, that that kind of capitalist uh, sort of forces will, will find a way to monetize and capitalize on what you're doing. It, yeah. Like, the counterculture becoming cool mm. means that it can then be sold.
1: Yeah, So, and actually, the, I think they use the phrase the, com- the commodification of dissidents, right? So, actually, dissidents... Can now be bought and sold for money. Mm. Yeah, it has a price. <laughs> the yeah. price is the trip paid by Palemach. <laughs>
0: and that again, to me, is what conveys this idea in the film. But actually, it's not. It's not really about saying, like, what a kind of, what a great time this was. That this all this activity was happening. It's to me the theme conveyed is really this this feeling of, it all went wrong. Of sadness, yeah. right? And of sadness, and and of sort of. What's the word? Uh, I can't think of the word. Inertia,
1: defeat.
0: Yeah, something like that. Like uh, re- resignation, ah. resignation—the feeling of resignation that that change kind of isn't possible and never was really—and and, and the idealism shown in the film dies so quickly mm. and is and is so easily sort of assimilated where it wants to be by um, by the sort of the powers that be.
1: And yet, these images, these slogans, these actions, you know, have stayed with us for 40 years and have become a kind of a symbol, a kind of a beacon of, you know, what is possible, what happened once, you know. So, so I, think, I think, you know, the film has, like, this richness of tone in the sense that it's, what you say is true. You know, it's kind of, there's a resignation of defeat and so on but also there's a romanticism of those actions of that that energy that youth you know almost everyone is so young Mm. right um you know and so i think kind of it holds both things together at the same time for me yeah and also what i loved about it there's something very very beautiful about those images yeah i i uh, you know those those home movies have an intensity, you know, the footage that is shot on the streets of Prague, it's like grainy, hidden, out of focus, you know, you have like kind of what looks like a whole battalion of soldiers going into a house, and they're really grainy, out of focus, behind a lace curtain, you know, and it's kind of, it feels almost like ghostly and deadly, you know, like the images have a, a particular qualities that are very dense and rich and sometimes haunting you know it's kind of Mm. there's it's almost incantatory those images really
0: yeah it's like it's it's not it's not an ironic film it's 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 quite a sincere film yes and I like that about it you know I like that it's it's um it feels like uh what it it really feels like is uh, because the director I think was born in 62 so he would have been six years old or so at yes. the time this was happening. So he might have had very, very uh, nascent memories of it, but he wasn't involved. He was a six-year-old child. Um, so it's kind of it's 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 a sort of a nostalgia for somewhere he he wasn't quite there. Yes. But what it is, it's really there's it's a kind of it's a sort of wonder of like what this time was, and and and, and the film kind of tries to build a kind of tapestry of of what. What this you know intense now was like, Mm. Um, which I think is very effective at doing, and and the fact that it's not someone going you know I was there and it was great, Mm. the fact that it's someone going like I wonder what it was like I wish I could sort of Mm. figure it out Mm. like that that I I suppose that kind of maybe made it easier to watch for me you know felt less less sort of didactic perhaps Mm. Um, I I really like that feeling of it that sort of is trying trying to capture something that that, or, or trying to understand something that. Um, you only have the briefest sort of experience of.
1: Mm. Um, I loved, um, you know, so the the film ends with a song sung in Portuguese uh, saying, I'm too young to die, but I already have red roses on my tomb, you know. And then the very last image is, is from Melies, the workers coming out of the factory gate. Yes, Yeah. Uh, which I thought kind of, you know, was, was interesting, you know, and poetic in a way, you know. So kind of some of the first images of cinema, you know, and again with all that they evoke, and all that they evoke about work and power and social relations and who's coming out of the factory gates and which direction they're going and all of that with, you know, something that was once intense but is now just kind of a ghostly flicker, yeah. Something that once was. Uh, I just wanted to... to uh, The um, workers coming out of the factory is Lumiere.
0: Sorry, Lumiere. I, I, that was on my mind because I thought, it's oh, quite a milieu, was it? There's no special effects. Of course, sorry. That was, <laughs> no, but, really but yeah, no, you're absolutely... Right. And, it, and yeah, it's sort of... It, it, it marries the two sort of central themes, that of of what we film and why and how and mm. the kind of documentary aspect and then, and then, of course, the actual sort of substance of being about workers and, and people's rights and, the, and all that stuff okay so, <laughs> now, so
1: after having grown through
0: I didn't groan I, only, I was only groaning when I felt it was at Staying It's Welcome which I did think it does and I don't think it's a perfect movie I think it, it does get to a point where it feels quite self-indulgent to me mm. it gets to a point where it starts going on I mean, even though there was, it's, like, it's not like I would just chop off the last half hour because it, the last half hour also contained those scenes of the funerals that mm. we spoke about which I think are really interesting um, actually, there was one we, we didn't talk about, which was the um, the police officer who died yes. in May, and and it's the point is made that uh, nothing was made of this at the time. It was the the footage that is shown of it is from like a provincial new, newsreel, yes. and in in writings about uh, about May sixty eight, he's mentioned very fleetingly. I don't never mentioned at
1: all, is what the film is
0: saying. Basically, okay. yeah. You know. Um, I don't remember the man the man's name, but he was a police officer who died, and it's sort of so there is a kind of um, I suppose
1: the message there, or the the feeling the, the there. Rene Lacroix. Sorry. I think uh, Rene Lacroix is the name of the police. Yeah, officer
0: that's it, Lacroix. Um, so the idea there is, it's kind of interesting that like the the establishment in that sense sort of, kind of kind of didn't win, like the police officer who died doing his job, I guess. um is forgotten completely. In fact, what, he was he was murdered by a, uh, as I recall, it was a van was driven at him yes. without a driver. There's like bricks yes. were put on the accelerator just to so that, so a, a, a driverless van was Murder, basically. driven at him. Yeah, it was murdered and in a, in a vicious way, and he's kind of completely forgotten and he, um, and not kind of venerated or anything like that uh, as as the, the the students and protesters who died were, um, which which is a sort of. I don't know what to make of it. Like on the one hand, I guess you sort of think the establishment sort of always wins, is what I've been saying about the message of the film. Like the establishment wins all the time, mm.
1: but in but this case, it, it kind of doesn't. Like it doesn't win the symbolic war, though. Right. You know. So yeah, that's I think, I think that's why the film is so interesting. You know, because it's dialectical in that way. It's kind of holding kind of different positions of the same That's
0: time. exactly right, because what you're saying about, you know, we, we think of May 68 these days, we still, it still remains in our consciousness about kind of, you know, what they achieved. But, like, what did they achieve? Actually, what what, what do people actually know of May 68 these days? People, are, people, under, people know the term May 68. What they
1: value is the protest. What they value is young people heading to the streets and having the courage to fight for change. But if they, they
0: knew the lack of results...
1: Well, I'm not sure about the lack of results. I actually do think, so for example, you know, in that factory that we're showing at the Wander, you know, kind of gains were made, right? You know, uh, um, yeah. So, you know, they talk about the the conditions of working there before, Mm. right? And kind of, you you get a very clear sense that new proposals were put and people voted to go back to work. Because, yeah, and actually, there's the union representative saying we have made real gains.
0: Do you then disagree with the because the interpretation that the film puts on that the director's narration puts on that is that the conversation that they're having outside the factory is one of of uh, wages and workers' rights and, and working conditions that the the, um, the worker uh, that was a young female worker is complaining that you know she uh, she has an awful place to go and have a shit and that sort of thing like things haven't improved enough. But what the what the narr- what the narrator is then saying is. The the now that the protests have kind of died down, um the people who the, the establishment is reframing the protests as this was only ever about wages and, and living the working conditions, which was not the case. It was not about I, higher I, ideals. I, I
1: agree with that, but you were asking what gains were made, so yeah. I'm saying well those were gains that were made, sure, right. So that those are two different things. I mean the the narrator is mourning or saying. You know, these events were never just about like better working conditions or better wages. They were about new ways of being and new social relations, right? Uh, and actually, there's a line at the beginning of the film where it says something like, you know, this was a period where even homosexuals were unafraid or unhidden, yes. right? That you, know, you could be and you could live in the intense now as yourself, and actually, you might have had better working conditions at the end of it, but this sense of limitless possibilities something that was new, right? Were gone, right?
0: So, yeah. I think the way the film frames it over time is that it didn't. It didn't seem to me that the film really spoke of the ideas of kind of practical changes of working conditions and wages until you got to that scene when they're talking outside the factory. Until then, and while the film was showing you the, the midst of the of the the revolution kind of in progress, it was talking about big ideas and yeah, the, yeah. and the way people wanted to change their work. So actually,
1: um. But better working conditions are a defeat.
0: (laughs) Sort of. The way the film frames it, I think. The film is framing it as as a revolution of ideas. And I think that when we think back on May 68, that's the kind of way we think about it. Of course,
1: of course, of course. I was just responding to your... No, I understand, yeah. Um, Uh, uh, Yeah, and I don't want to belabor that point, because that's right. And and it is dramatised in that factory gate between what the young girl is saying, what the union rep is saying... And what the student is saying, there's all these social dynamics kind of being put forth in relation, you know, to what May 68 represents. Yeah, right. You know, so first, you know, the center, the 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 the, the focus, and then marginalization of students. You know, this young girl who is hoping for a new way of life and not just, you know, a clean place to shit on. Mm-hmm. Right. And the union rep who says, "Look, we we made these gains." Mm.
0: The, the the one other brief thing which I just vaguely mentioned earlier that then made me think of in relation to the modern day was um, related to the Parkland uh, massacre and how the, how the, the kids in America have now started to really uh, sort of uh, speak up, I suppose you know make their voices heard and actually um, and protest. Um, uh, and what it, what it specifically made me think about was and it was it was because of Bendy, um how he, how he when he was introduced in the film, he's this you know kind of twenty, twenty or twenty-two year old young guy who, as I said, is very eloquent and very impressive and really speaks well and holds his own against uh, the the adults and the establishment that he's speaking against. And I can't remember the guy's name, but the, but one of the students at Parkland um, has kind of a similar role now. Um, I, I wish I could remember his name. Unfortunately, I can't. But he's a, he's a he's a kid who. Uh, again, speaks very, very well uh, and is speaking you know, eloquently and intelligently about the problems with gun control or the lack of gun control um, and the fact that he lost friends um, at school and, and the kind of mourning process and so on. And he's becoming a kind of lightning rod mm-hmm. for the gun control movement amongst mm-hmm. amongst kids and keeping guns out of schools at least. Um, and it struck me that what people talk about now, the the... the, the the world has become sort of seemingly so polarised that uh, to people on the left he's, he's a real hero and to people on the right he's a crisis actor mm. literally the phrase they use like mm. literally he's been brought in to pretend he's mm. a kid but he's actually been trained to say the right things and, and it struck me that like they struck me as similar because they're these basically young people who are able to scare the establishment by being, uh, you know, sort of more eloquent and and more powerful than they expected. Mm.
1: Except Uh, the difference is that because so much of the people involved in May 68 were people who had access to means of representation of various kinds, right? Uh, Visual, uh, sloganeering, uh, written and so on, they've been able to mythologize themselves mm-hmm. in a way that I don't see hap- happening in uh, America, even you know the students talking about the shootings and so on. I mean, yeah, you know, it might change, but the thing about May 68 is that ha- it, it's, it's a myth, and it's a kind of a very potent myth. And actually, as you were pointing out in the Black Lives Matter, in the Me Too movement, You know, this might change. Obviously, it's the very recent events. Certainly, the image of, you know, that black girl with all of the uh, police guns, machine guns in front of her and so on, is very powerful. But whether it will be mythologized to the extent that this film demonstrates May 68 and the Prague Spring and so on, but particularly May 68, was, I would be very doubtful of. Because actually... You know that young girl in front of all of these weapons doesn't have the same access to means of representation that these young bourgeois students or largely bourgeois hmm. students had in May '68.
0: I think that's an interesting point. Although one thing I would say, actually, with regards to um, the the kids at Parkland, is that uh, it's something that Trevor Noah was saying, which, which I thought was quite an interesting observation, which was that the reason that these guys. Sort of speaking up in a way that no one has before mm. is that Parkland's a, a kind of a nice school in a nice area, mm. and these are kind of middle class kids. Yes. And, and so instead of, instead of they're kind of something bad happening to them and they expect the worst to happen all the time, so they just live with it, um, they're kind of going, uh, No, this isn't how things are supposed to be. I want to speak to the manager, yes. is kind of the attitude, yes. you know, like things are going wrong. I want to speak to the guy in charge and get this put right. Which is so actually the 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 thought the of,
1: is similar. The
0: thought of them being sort of middle class and bourgeois actually, yeah. If you accept that interpretation, is is a kind of actually the reason that they are speaking up in a way that no one has before. Uh, but I think you're right, and, and the idea of it being how, how will it be, how will it be remembered years down the line is a really interesting one because for one thing. There are there are two kind of vastly different interpretations of what's going on at the moment. As mm. I say, like depending on which side you sort of lean more towards, mm. they're heroes or they're liars and mm. sort of actors in the deep state or whatever it is. Mm. So, like the idea that there can be any sort of single uh, interpretation of what happens at any point is mm. is seems impossible to me. Mm. God knows how it be remembered down the line. Mm. And maybe the idea that you know that, um, that, that sort of. We have such an abundance of of uh, media now. You know, the, everything is recorded, and everything's able to be kept and way too, You know, it, we've got it's an overabundance. We've got way, way too much as opposed to when you look at May '68 and you. You know, it, it's not that you have a scarcity, but there's a lot less mm. uh, kind of footage and record to 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 look at and make sense of. So maybe that has something to do with it. Mm. But like, you can you can build any narrative you want out of what's happening right now by picking and choosing from so much. And, and, and then just frankly lying, if you want, as well. Mm. <laughs> like maybe that's... I Because the, the idea of, of May 68 of seems kind of monolithic. Like, there is just one sort of cultural memory of it.
1: I'm not sure that that's true. No? Actually, what's interesting about this film is that, really, it's a Brazilian talking about May 68. Yes. Right? Uh, whose only connection with it, really, is that his parents were living in France while it happened. Right, so so I think kind of you know well May sixty eight had enormous impact on kind of on Britain and on the rest of Europe and on youth movements and on 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 cultural movements. This possibility of revolt is a very powerful thing, you know. Uh, uh, So and that's what May sixty eight stands for, I think. Um, Anyway, let's wrap up. Okay. Um, Were you glad you saw it? Yes, I was. And do you recommend it?
0: Uh, yeah, uh, as long as, you know, you just sort of just have a coffee before it gets to the last half hour, because it goes on a bit. Okay. I, I <laughs> love it. But I think it. it's a really interesting film, and it talks about an awful lot. And what it does, more, best of all, is is it evokes a feeling, which I think is what you want from a film. Yeah, that's what film is good at. That's what film can do that nothing else can. And that's what films need to do.
1: Yeah. And and so I, I just want to end by praising kind of uh, movie again, because... You know, it's a real, it's, it's, it's really wonderful to be able to see this film. I think it's even better uh, when it's programmed right next to uh, Goupy's Half-Life, uh, Moria Trenton, you know, so, you know, the possibility of watching the two together is, is like more than the sum of, of each of them, really. Uh, so, so uh, uh, you know, well done movie.
0: Have you seen Half a Life? Yes. And and go on, just give us a quick. I've not seen that. Oh, I
1: I I agree with uh, uh, Salas that it's it's the most beautiful film of May sixty eight that I've seen. You know, and there's something so beautiful about these young men because it's one of those films in which young men are in love with cinema and they're in love with rebellion and actually they love each other. It's about a gang of young boys, right? you know, uh, who get involved, they're high school students, and they get involved in the Communist Party, and, you know, they begin doing student protests and so on, but they're also in love with cinema. So actually, there are all these home movies of them that are beautifully shot of of them goofing around and making movies and being dressed up as nuns, right? Mm -hmm. And kind of, you know, yeah, making movies in their summer vacation and so on. And then actually, these home movies of these adolescent kids, you know, having fun and experimenting and, you know, Mm -hmm. fighting... Uh, And so on, then become, you know, the May '68 because they're all involved in it and they're all filming it, right? And they're all participants in it. So you know, the thing about May '68 also being home movies, being about these people, but also framed by this idea that these people lived so intensely that once the event happened, it was almost like they had no life. Yeah, that they all committed suicide. One after the other, after the other, after the other. Hmm. Right. That's how the film begins, and actually, that's the moment that Indian tense now cites from uh, Half Life. Yeah, that it's almost like they lived so intensely that they only had half a life, but you know that they lived a full life within that half life. They
0: really do share that that, that idea, and it's it's, uh, it's the uh, the Roy Batty thing from Blade Runner, isn't it? Of the candle that burns twice as bright lives yes. half as long. Yes, uh, lasts half yes. as long. Yes, that's exactly Exactly, that.
1: and that's a beautiful way to end
0: well well with Blade Runner is all things
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: uh, so uh, thank you very much for, for listening we are on iTunes we're eavesdropping at the movies on Facebook we're on Twitter and we're on SoundCloud yes and
0: and uh, and that's it
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> bye we've got a
0: website as well we? <laughs> com. but um, yeah I, I mean we've got to watch more movie stuff because it's Movie stuff, that is because yeah. it's um, it's it's clearly a brilliant resource, and um, we haven't watched enough of it, and we watched too much Avengers.
1: Yes. <laughs>
0: Although you know, like we were both saying earlier, and should we go and see Solo? Should we go and see Deadpool? And the answer is yes, we must. And the answer is yes, we must. <laughs> like you can't you can't give up on on big budget capitalist American pig dog stuff.
1: Yes, but you should expand your horizons a bit because there is like this wonderful resource now that really is available to everyone. Uh, and actually, it's very cheap. It's 5.99, which is like half the price of a film ticket at the cinema, uh, and you you get access to re- these real wonders of cinema. I think. Yeah. And the best of contemporary art house cinema.
0: Yeah, it's better than Netflix. Yes. Which has just got you know. Which is just shit.
1: Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Bye. <Goodbye>. Bye. <Bye-bye. laughs>